Father, thank you, God, that we can come just as we are. God, we can come to your altar. We can come to your throne. And God, we can ask. Lord, as our hearts are broken wide open, God, we can feel the Spirit of God in this place. God, we know that you're here. God, we know that you're moving amongst us, that your Holy Spirit is convicting our hearts and opening our eyes already. God, we can, we can sense your presence. Sometimes we feel distant from you, Father. Sometimes we feel like you've left us alone or that, 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 that you've, you, you've somehow turned your back on us. But God, thank you for reminding us that you have not, that you are right here in our presence. And God, you're right there for us to reach out and grab a hold of at any point in time. God, we simply have to turn away from the world and turn towards you to grab a hold of you. And Lord, sometimes that's difficult. It's extremely difficult. And God, I just thank you for, for, for calling out to us, reminding us of where you are and the fact that you are right there within arm's reach. God, what a great and glorious and forgiving God that you are. Father, I pray that as your people, God, we too would be full of grace and we would be full of forgiveness. God, because if we're going to be Christ-like, if we're going to be like Christ as, as we proclaim to be Christians, God, then we have to be full of grace. And we have to be full of forgiveness. And Lord, it seems like that sometimes I'm a broken record as, as you call me to preach the, the same concept many, many times. And that is a message of forgiveness. Lord, but that's what this book says. That's, that's what your word says, that, that we're supposed to be forgiving just like you are. So Lord, let us not become complacent to the concept of forgiveness. May it always challenge us and open our eyes to things that we need to be more forgiving about. God, and I know that, that the, the benefit of being more forgiving is that our hearts are more at ease. But we want to hang on to bitterness and anger. And Lord, I pray that we wouldn't do that. As Christ followers, we would not be that way. So God, as we look at your word and we look at what you have to say to us, God, open our eyes, open our hearts and do surgery. Father, thank you for your message and your precious word. May we never take it for granted. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. You know, I was having a discussion with somebody the other day, and and I was talking about how What's supposed to be our focus? What are we doing as, as Christ followers, gathers of Jesus here in this place? I mean, we're trying to seek Jesus, worship Jesus. I mean, what, what, what's supposed to be our focus? As a church, what's supposed to be the focus? And I, 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 I came back to just one thing, just one thing, that, that if we were to have a focus, this is it. You ask, what are we supposed to be doing? Why, why are we doing this? Yes, it's, it's to worship Jesus, absolutely. But man, it is to know more about who God is and how He's revealed Himself in the person of Jesus Christ. And this is the only place we can do that. Y'all, this is, this is what we do. This, this is it, man. This is why we're here today. This, this book right here. And if we're focused on anything else, if we get distracted by it, we're not doing the right thing. It's this and this alone. 
And if you want to know what, man, somebody asks you, what is Simple Church all about? What, what do they do down there? So they just focus on this book. Amen. I, that's, I, that's what I want us to do. Is, this is it. I, I want us to come in here and I want us to sing praises to Jesus and lift his name high. Absolutely. But what I, want to what I want you to take away from this place is everything that is in this book, God's Word. That, that's what I'm all about. This, this, that's what God made this place for. It's, it's for this. And if we're doing anything else, we're doing it wrong. If we're doing anything else other than this, we're doing it wrong. The overflow of this will do so much in our lives. It'll change our families. It'll change our perspective on the world. It'll change how we love one another. It'll change how we forgive one another. It'll change everything about us. But it starts right here. So we have to start right here. Sometimes we just need a reminder, you know? Sometimes I need a reminder. But this is what it's all about. God's Word. His Holy Word. His... God breathed word. The fact that God gave us a book that, that tells us about Him and everything we need to know. And and I get questions all the time. One of my favorite things, and I love talking to teenagers. Teenagers give you a fresh perspective. They'll tell you stuff that adults won't tell you, right? And if you really want to get told some stuff, then talk to somebody that's younger than a teenager. They'll tell you everything, right? Stuff your mom and daddy don't, don't want out of the, the, they don't want the cat out of the bag about this particular thing that's going on in the family, but the little ones, they'll tell you all day long. Oh, let me tell you what mom and daddy said. But teenagers, they start to struggle a little bit, right? So they start, they get, they get in the place in their life and start to ask a lot of questions. And, and so I can't tell you how many youth camps I've been on where I get cornered and there'll be 10 teenagers and they'll get me in a circle and they're like, hey, Kenny, we got some really important stuff we want to talk to you about. Dinosaurs. We've got to know about dinosaurs, man. Tell us about dinosaurs. I don't really see a lot of dinosaur talk in the book. God's Word, the Bible, doesn't really talk about dinosaurs a whole lot. Tell me about dinosaurs. And then I'll get other questions like, tell me, Kenny, i got to know. This is critical to me to be able to live my life and be able to, to, to pursue Jesus. Did Adam and Eve have belly buttons? I gave you a minute. Immediately it takes me. Everybody's like, well, I never thought of that. I never thought of that. I can only assume that they had belly buttons. I'm not going to go into that today. We're not going to talk about belly buttons. Because I know that as teenagers, they want to focus on all this stuff, but it's all a distraction. I, I, I look at this word and I'm like, you know what this book says? It talks about forgiveness and it talks about God's grace and it is cover to cover, filled up with that. Let's talk about that. The, the minute little things, dinosaurs and belly buttons, who gives a rip? You know what I mean? Like, really? Like, is that the most important thing you got to deal with in your life? Belly buttons and dinosaurs, man. I, I, look, I'm not saying apologetics, well, that's like being able to defend your faith. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm not saying that, Okay. But that should be like this. That should be like this. The rest of it should be about how we live our lives and us being people that, that give forgiveness, people that, that love people the way Christ has called us to love. That's what the majority of our focus should be on. Yes, be able to defend our faith. That's important. Don't get me wrong. I'm not going to stand up here and tell you it's not important to be able to defend your faith. That's wonderful. 
It's not the most important thing. It's not the most, what this book shows us is what the most important thing is, is being able to forgive people and love people. We've been in Joseph forever talking about this series, Extreme Makeover, Home Edition, because Jacob's household needs an extreme makeover. These people are all jacked up. they got a jacked up family. Some of us got jacked up families. Some of us are living with junk in our past that we ain't dealt with and we need to deal with, and God's bringing that to light, and some people are. Some people are responding to God, and God's changing their life. He's changing their family. He's changing everything about the way they think and all that they say, and it's happening through God's Word. God takes a zoomed-in picture of Joseph's life. Why? Why? I mean, we got all these, these pages. He could be talking about anything, man. I mean, Moses recorded all this stuff in Genesis, and he, he spends like a little bit of time in the first chapter talking about creation. and that's one. But, man, we get to Joseph, and it's like chapter after chapter after chapter about what? I mean, we've been in this for weeks, right, looking at Joseph. Why? Who cares about this one dude's life? What, what's the big deal? Because it's about forgiveness. It's about being wronged and stuff not working out right in our life and stuff not working out really fair in Joseph's life and his brothers hate him, wanted to kill him, sold him into slavery. Finally, they, they start starving. They got to go somewhere and it turns out they go back to Joseph and he's in, he's in Egypt now, man. One, one thing after, leads to another, and, and, and Joseph's in Egypt. He's second in command, and he's the one in charge of handing out food. His brothers are hungry. They come to Egypt. They get some food. Well, Joseph, he, I mean, I, he wants a relationship with his brothers again, but he's got to make sure that, that God is the central focus in their life, and repentance it has happened in their life, and that, that they recognize what they did to Joseph and how it was wrong and how they sinned against God, not just sinned against Joseph. They sinned against God. And Joseph allows God to use him in this capacity. He allows God to say, all right, they, they, we got to deal with some stuff here. And we see a transformation happen in his brother's lives. A radical transformation. They go from, from throwing a brother into slavery and wanting him dead to, to now they're repentant. And, and, and when one brother has shown favoritism now, man, they're, they're like, they're okay with that. And when one brother, it, it, what happens is Benjamin, the youngest brother, that he gets set up by Joseph, and, and, and he's at a point where, like, he's going to get the blame. And they said, you know what? Uh, Pharaoh, Pharaoh's uh, manager says, you know what? Since he took it, we'll just take him into slavery. The rest of y'all can go home. And the other brother said, no, that's not the way it's going to go down. So what's going to happen is we're all going back with you, and we're all going to take the blame now. That's a far cry from where they were previously when it was like, well, we'll just sell one of them off into slavery to make a little cash. Now they're like, one, one of our brothers is going into slavery having done something wrong. We're all going back and we're all going to take the blame for it. And Judah's stepping up and he's saying, I, you know what, Father, talking to Jacob, you know what, Father, I'm going to take full responsibility for Benjamin. He's my responsibility. And he's like, I can't even go back to my dad if Benjamin's not with me. So these are a changed people. Joseph's brothers are different, man. And Joseph has been allowing God to do this thing. And, and today we get to see Joseph show them who he is. Everybody's like, oh, thank goodness. I've been waiting for the soap opera to come to this point. Kenny, you've been dragging this thing out for week after week after week. We've just been going chapter after chapter. It's okay. God drug it out for a reason. It's all right. We're going to trust God on this. If he drug it out, we're going to drag it out, Okay. 
So that's, that, that's what's been happening. Finally we, finally, we get some relief. Thank you, Jesus, for letting up off of us a little bit, man. He's finally going to, I'm going to let the cat out of the bag right now. He, let, he lets his brothers know who he is today. And he shows them forgiveness. We got, we got a messed up country, right? Like the United States of America is messed up. And I'm not one that gives a big commentary on this country and all that kind of stuff. But I can tell you that it's evident there's something going on that, that's not right here, right? And, and, and we may think that it's just limited to a few people and, and they, they're taking out their aggression on a few others. And, and it's just a little confined little section of the population that's got an issue, right? Well, that's a joke and that's wrong. Because all of us have got this issue, and I'll tell you what it is. It's an issue of forgiveness. It's an issue of having bitterness and anger build up in our hearts in such a way that it starts to manifest itself in our lives. Now, for some of us, it's not the way that it is for some people in Dallas. It's not like you decide you're going to assassinate some police officers. It's not like that. But listen, listen to some of these statistics. Do you know that, that, that 80% of murders happen against somebody that that person is related to or is in a relationship with some way or another. 80%. 80% of deaths that, that are caused by murder happen by somebody that they know or related to or in a relationship with in some way or another. That's a lot. That's a whole heck of a lot. You, you realize there's some estimates that say that 60,000 kids a year die as a result of their parents beating them to death. In the United States of America, there's something like 60,000 a year that die as a result of their parents beating them to death. Do you realize that, 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 that more kids under the age of five die from their parents killing them than from disease? Do you realize that? But no, we, we don't have an issue. It's just a little section of the population. It's just a little limited portion of the population. The reason, the reason that stuff happens it's because people are letting bitterness and anger and malice and all that kind of stuff that the Bible talks about, letting it build up, and, and it becomes rage inside of them. And if you are trying to sit there and pretend that that could never happen to you, you're lying to yourself. Because there are people in this room right now that I know that there's somebody that has hurt you, somebody that has wronged you, somebody that has stabbed you in the back, and, and you really do. You, you have the inward appearance of wanting to kill that person. Do you realize that Jesus said this? He said, he said that there's no difference between hate and murder. The hate and murder are the same thing. The only difference between hate and murder is the outward exhibition of what you do, the outward expression of what you do. They're both the same in the heart. They're both the same. It's because we're not willing to give forgiveness. We're not willing to offer that up. And that's what this book is about, cover to cover. That is this particular passage on Joseph. It is all about forgiveness. So let's jump in. Let's look at God's word, Genesis 45. I, I, I got to set things up for you a little bit. I told you just a second ago that they, um, they found this, this silver bowl. It's a special bowl. We won't go into all that. It's a special bowl. They found it in Benjamin's backpack, and they're like, oh, he's got to go back with us. He's going to be, you know, he's, he's the one that's going to suffer punishment for this. And they all go back, and, and they're waiting. They're wait I mean, like, they're, they're thinking, hey, we're about to go to the gallows. We're about to be sold into slavery. There's something bad that's fixing to happen as a result of what we did. We're all responsible for this, so we're all going to take the blame. So now they've got to go into Pharaoh and, and see 
what the punishment's going to be. How are we going to suffer as a result of what we've done? What's going to happen to us? Oh, it's so hard for me not to jump ahead. Genesis chapter 45, this is what it says, beginning in verse 1. Joseph could stand it no longer. There were many people in the room, and he said to his attendants, out, of, out, all of you. So he was alone with his brothers when he told him, them who he was. Then he broke down and wept. He wept so loudly that the Egyptians could hear him, uh, and word of, the, word of it quickly carried to Pharaoh's palace. I am Joseph, he said to his brothers. Is my father still alive? But his brothers were speechless. They were so stunned to realize that Joseph was standing there in front of them. Please come closer, he said to them. So they came closer, and he said again, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into slavery in Egypt. Can you imagine what they're thinking right now? Can you imagine where the brothers are right now in their minds? Oh, I thought we were just going to jail for being a thief of a bowl. Now the guy that's the judge for us, the one that gets to dish out the punishment for what we're supposed to receive, oh yeah, that's the brother that we sold into slavery. Uh-oh. Right? Wouldn't that be what you were thinking? Oh, no. The judge happened to be the guy that I shot his wife. This is not going to go good for me. You know what I mean? Like, th th that's how they're thinking in their mind right now. Like, this... This is not good. I mean, he said he's Joseph. This is our brother we sold into slavery. We figured he's probably dead or he's gone a long way. No, he's right here. He says, I'm the one that's supposed to cast judgment on you and supposed to tell you what you're going to receive, what kind of punishment you're going to get for what you did. Uh-oh. Not good. But listen to what he says. Verse 5, he says, but don't be upset and, and don't be angry with yourselves for selling me to this place. It was God. It was God. It was God. I, I want you to think about that for a second. In, in your life, the struggles that have happened, the difficulties, all the, the trials, all the garbage that has come against you, people who stabbed you in the back, the people that have wronged you, people that have hurt you, did you ever stop to say for just a minute, don't worry about it, it's okay. What, 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 you, what you thought you were in control of, it really wasn't you, it was God. Can, can you start there with forgiveness? Can you start there with, with releasing some of that bitterness that you have in your heart and the malice that's built up over time because of somebody that's hurt you and say, you know what, it was God. It was God. And that's exactly what Joseph does. That's exactly where he starts. He says, don't be upset with yourselves. It's, don't be angry with yourselves. Don't, I know that you're worried right now. He says, don't be. It was God. It was God who sent me here ahead of you to preserve your lives. For what purpose? It was God sent me here for the purpose of saving you. You sold me into slavery, but it was God who was setting it up so that I could actually help you. This famine that has ravaged the land for two years will last five more years, and there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. God has sent me ahead of you to keep you and your families alive to preserve many survivors. So it was God. Once again, it was God. Who was it? Why did this happen? How did it happen? It was God. 
I've gotten into many arguments before with people who say, well, it was, it was the devil who did it. It was Satan who did it. It was Satan who did this. And, and Satan can't do anything outside of God allowing him to. By the way, in case you're wondering about that, if you don't believe that, then go read the book of Job. All you got to read is a couple chapters, and you'll see where God's having a conversation with Satan. And what does Satan have to do uh, every single time he wants to inflict some kind of something on Job? He says, he said, can I do this? God, can I do this? God, can I do that? I said, God says, okay. Okay. What happened at the end of Job? Job tasted God's glory. He said, man, I, I'd heard about you, but now I know you. Because God allowed it to happen. The devil made me do it. The devil did this. The devil did that. God allowed the devil to do that. Yes, it may indeed have been at the hands of Satan and he may have tempted you or whatever, but, but I'm telling you, God allowed him to do that for some purpose. Now, you have a choice as to how you respond to it. You, you have a choice to let it either, either burn you or set you on fire, right? I've said that a million times before. You can let it destroy you and, and destroy what you're all about and just go curl up in a corner somewhere. You say, enough's enough, I've had enough, I don't, I don't really believe in this Jesus stuff anymore, I'm done, I give up. You have that choice, admittedly. Or you can say, you know what, God, you are sovereign, you are in control, and you know every single thing that's going on, and I have nothing to worry about. Even if I'm sold into slavery, even if I'm on the verge of death, it's okay, because you allowed it to happen. Why do we not have this perspective? Maybe it's because there's a lot of preachers out there that aren't talking that way. It's ridiculous. It's wrong. My God is not up there twiddling his thumbs, wondering what Satan's going to do next. He's not up there going, man, I just don't know. I just don't know. What if Satan does this or what if the devil does that? He's not doing that. He's in complete control the whole time. And some people are like, well, I don't know, Kenny. I don't know, man, if I can buy into all that. Well, then you're not reading this book. You're reading another book. I don't know what book it is. It's probably the one you made up in your mind, but you're not reading this book. Because this book says that God's in control all the time. And in this particular situation, you can see it being highlighted and pointed out, God is sovereign. God is in control. And Joseph has just got complete trust and complete faith in that. And he, he hasn't gotten any kind of... Man, things aren't settled for him. They, they, it, he didn't get any kind of, you know... Uh, a, apology from God, like, oh, oh I'm so sorry that, that, that you got taken into prison and you didn't do anything wrong or any of that kind of stuff. It's just Joseph trusting in God because it's what he's always done, so he continues to do that. And he points it out to his brothers. He said, it was God. It was God who sent me here, not you. And he is the one who made me an advisor to Pharaoh, the manager of the entire palace and the governor of all Egypt. Now hurry back to my father and tell him, this is what your son Joseph says. Now, I'm sure they're like, oh, great. <laughs> I got to tell him, I got to tell Jacob, our father, that Joseph has got a message for him. Now, we had told daddy that Joseph was dead. We had told it, we like cut up an animal, we wiped the blood on his coat and gave it back to dad and said, hey, Joseph's dead. Now Joseph's saying, go back to my dad and tell him this message from Joseph. And I'm sure these guys are like, you got to be kidding. They, they <laughs> whew, you got to be kidding. I got to go back to dad and tell him Joseph's got a message. All right, this should be interesting. 
God has made me master over all the land of Egypt, so come down to me immediately. You can live in the region of Goshen, where you can be near me with all your children and grandchildren, your flocks, your herds, everything you own. I will take you there, for there are still five years of famine ahead of us. Otherwise, you, your household, and all the animals will starve. Now, now God's given Joseph the ability to see some stuff in the future. Now, I, I think that here it's probably pretty obvious. He's not so much fortune-telling so much as he is just kind of laying it out there for how it is. Go get all your people and your stuff and bring it here. You need to come where the food is because if you stay where you are, there's no food. You're going to die. But if you come here, there's food. You can stay here, and we'll take care of you. And Joseph added, look, you can see for yourselves, and so can my brother Benjamin, that I really am Joseph. He's, I think they're still, they're still speechless. They're still, like, stunned. They're still in shock. And, 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 and they probably can't believe their own eyes, the fact that Joseph is standing there in front of them. He's speaking to them in their own language. Previous to this, he's been speaking to them in, in, in Egyptian tongue and using a tr translator and all this kind of stuff. And there would be times when Joseph would get upset and he'd run away to go hide his emotion and, and he would go cry and then he'd clean himself up and he'd, he'd come back to his brothers and he'd talk to them some more, but he was so excited to see them. He was emotional, but, but here now he's talking to them in their, their native tongue and he's, he's communicating. I'm sure they're, they're just stunned. You'll tell my father my honor position here in Egypt. Describe for him everything you have seen and then bring my father here quickly. He misses his dad, I believe. Weeping with joy, he embraced Benjamin, and Benjamin did the same. Then Joseph kissed each of his brothers and wept over them. And after that, they began talking freely with him. They finally were able to pick their jaw up off the floor. They finally were able to recognize that this was indeed Joseph, and he was standing right there, and he could have, he could have cast any kind of judgment he wanted to on them. He could have had their heads on a platter that day, if he'd have just said the word. But instead, he has shown them grace and he says, you know what, instead of death, I want you to all come here and you all be near me so that you can live. In an instant, he's shown them amazing grace, a God kind of love that only somebody that loves God could show. But unfortunately, for many of us, we're not doing that. We're not showing that kind of love, that kind of grace. Instead of, instead, of saying, instead of saying, you know what? I want what's best for you. You know what we say? You get what you deserve. Isn't that what we say? Oh, you, you made your bed. You need to lie in it now. You did this, man. You're you going to get what you deserve. You're going to pay for what you've done. That's not a Christian attitude. That's, that's not what a Christ follower is supposed to look like. I'm glad you cleared that up for us, Kenny. I was confused about that. Yeah, but so many people are doing that. So many people that, that are calling themselves Christians and got a, a cross on their shirt or, or whatever, they, they're, they're not acting like Christ. They're acting like everybody else. And, and instead of saying, you know, I, I want you to get what you deserve because, man, you, you did this to yourself. You know what we should be saying? Let me help you to get out of the situation that you're in. Holly Busby, she's, she's in Uganda right now. She's been there for several weeks, and she'll be there for several more weeks. She texted me this morning to tell, tell me, she said, you know what the pastor talked about this morning in church? Talked about Joseph. 
talked about Joseph, and he, he, said, he said this. He said, he said, the way you're able to forgive is once you realize how much forgiveness you've been offered already. So that message is all the way from Uganda. They're actually sharing the same message we're sharing today. I mean, we're connected by one spirit. I don't care if we're half the world away. She texted me that this morning, and I was like, you've got to be kidding me. And I'm sure that when, when she heard the pastor say, we're talking about Joseph this morning, I'm sure she must have been like, you've got to be kidding me. But that's the way God does things. So the message from Uganda is this, is that you don't recognize how much forgiveness you need to offer until you recognize how much forgiveness you've been given. You look at your life. You look at the things you've done. You look at how many times you've broken the heart of God because of the, the things that you've done. You look at your life and you say, man, this is what I deserve, but look what God gave me. I deserve death. I deserve to be cut off from God forever. I deserve to be cast into hell and, and, and with the devil and, and all of his demons. I deserve that. But that's not what God offered me. He said, you know what? I want to look at you and I'll say, I want to help you have life. I want you to have life. If that's what God offers us, why are we so bitter? Why are we so angry? Why are we so full of malice that we can't do the same thing? Look at what we've been given. Look what we've been offered. Life. Life. Not just life here. I'm talking about eternal life. Life that, that never stops. That this is just the starting point for our life. And God offers that to us in spite of all the times that we've broken his heart, all the things that we've done wrong, and we've knowingly sinned against God. And he says, come, have life. Come to me. Come where I am. Just like Joseph said, come, come where, where I am. I'll watch over you. I'll, I'll take care of you. I'll provide for you. You come where I am, even though you wanted to kill me. Even though the evidence of your life is that you had no regard for me whatsoever. Even though it looked like you, you, you basically rather spit on me than, than look at me. You come here. You come where I am and you have life. I don't want you to starve. I want what's best for you. That's what Christians are supposed to look like. The news soon reached Pharaoh's palace. Joseph's brothers have arrived. Pharaoh and the officials were all delighted to hear this. Pharaoh said to Joseph, tell your brothers... This is what you must do. Load your pack animals and hurry back to the land of Canaan. Then get your father and all your families and return here to me. I will give you the very best land in Egypt, and you will eat from the best that the land produces. I'm going to give you the best. Did y'all hear that? I'm not, I'm, you're not just going to get a piece of land. You're not just going to be able to survive. You're not just going to be able to make it from one day to the next. You're going to have the best. Amen. They went from being on the gallows to being in the kingdom overnight. That, that's what it looked like for them. They, they were headed to their death. Somebody was going to cut off their head as a result of what they'd done. Now, they're, they're here in the palace. The Pharaoh's calling out and said, man, you're not just going to have it good. You're going to have the best. Why do we have so many people resisting that? And not coming into the kingdom of God. I don't get it. I don't understand. I'll spend my whole life up here preaching it. But there'll be some people that will refuse it. And they'll say, you know, I don't want the best. I'd rather hang on to my bitterness and anger. Because you know, you know that the Bible says that if you can't forgive other people, then God can't forgive you. That if you're going to truly be Christ-like, you're truly going to, become to come to Christ. 
And you say, God, you own everything, that he's got to own that part of your life too. So if, if you're holding that bitterness and that malice, that's not Christ-like, you're not a Christian, that's what God is saying to you. Pharaoh says, you're going to have the best. Come, come here. We'll watch over. We'll take care of you. We'll give you the best. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, tell your brothers, take the wagons from the land of Egypt, carry all your little children, your wives, and bring your father here. Don't worry about your personal belongings, for the best of all the land of Egypt is yours. Leave your old self behind. Wow, if that doesn't give you cold chills, I don't know what will. He says, leave your junk back there in Canaan. Leave the old stuff that's dying and withering, and, and it's, it's, it's not benefiting you at all. Just leave it behind, because you got the best. You just come over here, and we're going to give you the best. This is the gospel, people. This is exactly, this is Jesus, man. This is, this is the change that happens in people's lives. People are still hanging on to their own junk, and they want to bring it over to the new place. And I'm like, just let it go. Just come down here to the altar and let it die. Say, I don't need it anymore. I don't need the stuff I used to hang on to. I don't need it. I got the best. Why am I going to hang on to the old dirty rags when I got linen that's pure white? Well, why, why don't I want to hang on to the dirty water, man, when I got the living water? Yeah. Amen. I, I don't get it. Yeah. I don't, just leave it behind, Pharaoh. So you don't need that junk anymore. Come where we are. We got the best. So the sons of Jacob did as they were told. Joseph provided them with wagons, and Pharaoh had commanded and he gave them supplies for the journey, and each of them knew clothes. But to Benjamin, he gave five changes of clothes and 300 pieces of silver. He also sent his father 10 male donkeys loaded with the finest products of Egypt and 10 female donkeys loaded with grain and bread for the other supplies they would need on his journey. Whew, I'm out of breath. I'm out of breath. He loads Benjamin up. He gives him some extra change of clothes. And I, I don't know exactly, I don't even know exactly why this happened. Besides to say this, besides to say this, his brothers didn't care. His brothers didn't care. It didn't matter to them. It didn't matter to them that Benjamin had more. It didn't matter that he had 300 pieces. Maybe he's going to share it with the rest of them. It didn't even matter. They didn't even care. They didn't even care. But, 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 but Pharaoh sends them some stuff home to dad. And it's a promise. That's what it is, right? It's a guarantee. It's, it's hope. He, sen he sends Jacob hope. That's what the message is. A message of hope. For you and I, that th there's a message of hope that's been given. It's been given in this word. This is our 300 pieces of silver. Th this is our donkeys loaded down with the finest. This is our hope. This is where it exists. He sent us a message. He sent us a message of hope. A guarantee. So Joseph sent his brothers off. And as they left, he called after them. Don't quarrel about this along the way. A little reminder for you. Don't be like you used to be. Be the new you. Don't go back to your old ways now that you've been guaranteed that things are going to be okay. Oh, well, thank goodness Christians never struggle with that, do we? We got the best, and we got the finest of the finest of the fine, and we, we, we over here in God's kingdom. But we're tempted sometimes to go back over here and pick up our old dirty rags again, put on our old clothes. No, 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 leave it behind. Don't go back and be the way you used to be. 
You be that new person I created you to be. You just be that way. Don't go back and try to be the old way again. Don't, don't forget about what, what's just happened here and the grace that you've been shown. Don't start that old junk again. And they left Egypt and came to their father, Jacob, and Lana came to the, Joseph is still alive, they told him. Now, understand, this is repentance coming from these brothers. They had told him that he was dead. So now they got, I mean, they've been dealing with all kind of junk in their past, and now finally they got to deal with it with their brother. Joseph is still alive. This is repentance here. This is them confessing, hey, we lied to you. We told you a tremendous lie about the one that you love the most. We did that Joseph is still alive. And he is governor of all the land of Egypt. Jacob was stunned at the news, but he, he couldn't believe it. But when they repeated to Jacob everything Joseph had told them, when he saw the wagons Joseph uh, had sent to carry him, their father's spirits revived. Joseph exclaimed, it must be true. My son Joseph is alive. I must go and see him before I die. Joseph has taken his brothers, who are now repentant, and they see all the things they did wrong. He has taken them from a place of death to a place of life. And he says, I want you to come here. We're going to take care of you. Pharaoh comes along after Joseph says, not only are we going to take care of you, we'll give you the best of the best of the best, and you're going to have it all. You don't even need your old junk. Leave it behind. So they go home, confess to their dad that they were wrong, that they didn't really, really kill Joseph, but he's alive and he's in Egypt. And he sent them a message of hope. They just need to come where he is. This, this is the gospel of Jesus. If you can't see Jesus in this, you, you've missed it. Look at us and where we are. Before Jesus Christ, we're starving, we're alone, we're desperate, we have nothing. We're, we're in a place of death. Our sin has got us in a place of death. We are separated from God because of our sin. We, we are in a place of death, eternal death, eternal separation from God. We're in that place. And then God shows us grace that we don't deserve. God shows, gives us many, many blessings upon blessings upon blessings through his grace that we do not deserve because of our sin and the things that we've done against God. And he takes us from death into life and he provides for us. And not only does he provide for us, he provides the best of the best of the best for us. Now, oh, <laughs> let me clarify. I'm not talking about you get a new Rolls Royce. I'm not talking about you get a half million dollar house. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about real stuff that really matters. I'm talking about joy and peace and love and forgiveness. I'm talking about the stuff that will, will last you day after day after day. Because a house will get old, a car will break down, but peace, love, joy, happiness, those kind of things will survive. And God says, you come with me. I'll give you salve for your eyes. I'll let, uh, you, you, you think that, that, that you, you got good clothes on, but really you're naked. And I'll give you, I'll give you clothes for your body to cover you up. I'm going to give you the finest. Now go and tell your father. The one that you lied to, the one that you, you told him his favorite son was dead, go tell him what you've done. Now, there's more work to be done. There's more work to be done. Yes, you've been taken from death to life, and you're going to be okay now, but there's more work to be done. Isn't that the message for all of us? That there's, there's more work to be done. There's more people that need to be told. There's more hope that needs to be delivered. That's our responsibility. 
that we've been taken from death to life, we need to offer forgiveness. We need to bring a message of hope. We need to go and we need to repent to those that we've sinned against. That's, that's the message today. That's what this book says. I didn't say it. God said it. God said it. But we have a choice. We have a choice. It, it, and it's really just a yes or no question. You either say yes to God or no to God. Just like becoming a Christian. You're, you either say yes to God or no to God. But you have the choice. You have the choice. Let me pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for your word. And God, how you challenge us. Lord, that there is work to be done. God, there is bitterness, there is malice, there is anger. There's all these things, God, that, that, that is breaking your heart right now. And, and maybe that's in this room. Maybe people have that built up in their hearts right now. God, maybe they call themselves a Christian, but really they're not. Maybe you've opened their eyes to that today. God, whatever the case may be, I pray that we'd be obedient to you. God, maybe there's Christians here, Lord, that need to repent and they need to come back to you. Or they, they, they said that there, there's so much in my heart that's not right. God, I need to just be reminded today of the best that you're offering. And, and, and God, maybe re rejoice in that. God, I pray that people would let go. God, that they would just let go of the things that they're holding on to that, that are keeping them back from you. God, help them rejoice in what you have offered them and the grace that you've given them. God, I pray in Jesus' name, Lord, that, it, that, that people would recognize just how good and glorious you are and what you're offering them. But I pray that in response to that, they would just say yes to you. Whatever that means in their life, whatever, whatever's going on in their life where they need to say yes to you and no to themselves, I pray that they would do that today. Maybe it's in the area of salvation. Maybe they don't have a relationship with you and they, they just need to say yes to you today and no to themselves. Maybe it's in the area of forgiveness. They need to say yes to you today and no to themselves. God, maybe somebody here is struggling with, with things that are going on in their life and they're blaming the devil and they're saying, the devil has done this. But you've just opened their eyes today that the good and glorious God that you are, God, you've offered them true life and true peace and true happiness. And they need to say no to the temptation of blaming it on something else and say, yes, God has offered me greatness. Father, whatever the case may be, I pray that we would just say yes to you today. This is your time when you speak to hearts. May people respond to you as you see fit, God. In the holy name of Jesus, our King, I do pray. Amen. Would you all please stand?